I did not uh, remember that you guys were going to have a chance to see the slides of the uh, snake crusher event that we had uh, right after Halloween, right before Halloween, I guess it was the night before, and um, I, that, that, how many actually kind of were part of that or saw some of that, quite a few of you, um, that was a very cool event. It was a very labor-intensive event, not for yours truly. I just kind of sat back and watched a lot of stuff happen. I know Scott was really, really busy for about six weeks there from the time that the idea was born to the time it came through, so that was very compressed. But what a good event for kids who maybe have never heard the gospel because they literally came in and for about 30, 45 minutes or so walked through the whole story of the Bible. And uh, they, they start, you know, snake crusher, so it started out in the garden, and you had, the, you know, Satan and all that mentioned, and, and the prediction of the coming one that would crush the serpent's head, and then they got all the way through till they heard the story of redemption. So it was a very, very good way of presenting the gospel. And that's our job. That is uh, job number one of the church, of, of God's people, is to present and, and make the gospel known. Paul here, as we've picked up in the text, as Garrett just read, is at Caesarea. He uh, has just given his sort of uh, initial arraignment before Felix. Uh, Felix puts things off, decides not to make a decision right away. But what we're going to see in just these six verses, we're kind of, some Sundays I've got like 30 verses and this one's got six. But in these six, we're going to find five considerations for this idea of the need to make the gospel known. Make sense? Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be laid out for you. All right, here we go. First of all, we need to know that the gospel can be known without true knowing. The gospel can be known without true knowing. And that sounds like a little riddle of some kind that I've just enunciated. But if you look at the, at the verse here, it's going to make complete sense. It says, but Felix, having a rather accurate knowledge of the way... Put them off saying, when Lysias the tribune comes down, I will decide your case. Now, what is the way? What is the way that he has accurate, rather, rather accurate knowledge of? I love that little modifier, rather accurate knowledge of. Well, the way is the gospel. The way is the way of Christ. It is the Christian faith. He has a, a certain you know, uh, understanding of it. He has the cliff notes, if you will. It makes a lot of sense. Think about where we're at. That is, geographically. We're in Caesarea. What do we remember about Caesarea? Well, about 25 years earlier, there was this guy named Philip. Philip the evangelist, we, we meet him later on. He's got the four daughters. But way back, about 25 years previously, you had him going... Uh, to Samaria. He was a great evangelist. He won Samarian, the Samaritan people to, to the gospel. Then he was the one that, that went up to the guy that was on his way back to Ethiopia and he shared the gospel. And then the Holy Spirit kind of transports him. And where does he end up? You guessed it, Caesarea. He ends up at Caesarea. So this great evangelist, we can't even begin to imagine the idea that he wouldn't have just kept doing what he was doing, that is winning people to the gospel, telling people about the way. Now we have this Felix character, 25 or so years later. He comes in. He's got to be the governor of Judea. He's stationed there in Caesarea. What is he going to be confronted with? 
What is it, you know, he comes in as a Roman, the first thing you gotta do is you gotta make yourself aware of who, these, who are these citizens that I'm sort of ruling over, governing over, what, what's going on in this community? And so, you know, he comes to a rather accurate knowledge concerning the way. What do you think he knew? What would he have known? What would the uh, notes have been that they left, you know, when Pilate took off and, 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 and the next guy came in and the next guy until it got to Felix? What kind of stuff would he have left for him to, to get caught up on? Oh, well, there was this guy named Jesus, said to be a miracle worker, going around, doing good. The Jews brought him before the Roman governor. Uh, despite his pleadings, they said, crucify him. And so the, they took him outside the city and they put him to death. And then they buried him and they set a guard. And then three days later, supposedly, he rose from the dead. And uh, whether we believe that as Roman citizens or not, they, the, his followers believe that he is still alive. This is what he would have known. But on the other hand, does Felix truly know the gospel? Does he genuinely know it? We're going to find out pretty soon that, uh, that he doesn't know it on a deep level, that he doesn't really have a personal knowing of Jesus. He may have been informed. He may have gotten the TED Talk if you, when he got there, you know, and been debriefed, and he may have talked and spoken to, to Christians, but he does not truly know the way of salvation. If this is job number one, to share the gospel, why is it important for us to know this? Why is it important to know that there are people who know the gospel but don't know the gospel? It's important, isn't it? it because, because the world around us, that pretty well describes Great Bend, Kansas, in case you didn't know. Do people know the gospel in Great Bend, Kansas? Absolutely they know. We gotta, we, I mean, you throw a stone, you're going to hit a church or a church startup or a, or, or, or a home church or something. They're, they're just everywhere, right? They're everywhere. And yet, can we say that in Great Bend, Kansas, everyone knows Christ, knows the gospel? The answer is no. There are many people who have this much knowledge of the gospel, a rather accurate knowledge, but they don't have a knowledge of it. That's important for us to keep straight. We don't give up. We keep going. We keep making it known. Secondly, the gospel is never confined Then he gave orders that he being Felix, then he gave orders to the centurion that he should be kept in custody but have some liberty and that none of his friends should be prevented from attending to his needs. So uh, yeah, Felix, uh, Felix has Paul held. It is definitely not solitary confinement. I'm not even sure whether there's a cell involved. I mean, he's given some Liberty, whatever that means. You get the sense that he had elbow room. We know that his friends could come in and minister to his needs. Uh, you know, the Romans had kind of a bread and water sort of a thing going for your average prisoner, so, but they encouraged people to come and, and, and bring things to take care of the prisoner's need. In the end, though, he's confined. His liberty is not that much liberty. Like, he can't just go, you know what, I'm checking out. I'm just, where do I sign my name? I'm going to be gone for a couple months. I'm going to go on my fourth missionary journey now, but I'll be back. Don't worry about it. He can't do that. It's not that kind of liberty. And yet, while he's in captivity, Paul will have multiple chances to proclaim the gospel, to defend the gospel. Look at the next verse. It says, After some days, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, And he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. Who is Drusilla? I feel like there's that's a name that's going wanting, isn't it? Like, 
you young moms and mothers-to-be, think about this. Drusilla, it's a beautiful name. Anyway, uh, she's the daughter of Herod Agrippa I. And I don't know if you remember who Herod Agrippa I was, but he was the guy that was eaten by worms. Does that help? He killed James, was going to have Peter put to death. Peter escapes. He ends up going and in a very braggadocious way gives this speech and then he's eaten by worms. This is his daughter. She's 20 years old at this point. Um, She's on her second marriage. She actually left her first husband in order to marry Felix. So this is the kind of person we're dealing with. So what you have here are two of the most highly educated, well-informed elites of their day coming at this Christianity thing with, with, I would call it, a, a kind of intellectual curiosity. They know who Paul is. They probably are aware of his learning of his great depth of education, and it's appealing to them. You know, there's a certain kind of person who dabbles, and they have a certain rather accurate knowledge of of things, and they like to talk about it. They have a captive intellectual right there in their presence, and and they kind of get off on that. They like that idea. Yeah, we got this guy. We can call him at any time. He's our captive. What they don't see, though, in in the midst of all that is he may be their captive, but in a way they're captive, too. Where are they going to go? It's not like they can just pick up and leave. They're stuck there too. The gospel is never bound, and Paul is going to preach the gospel at these guys. He is going to preach the gospel at them. And you think about all the people like this through history. You think of somebody like Watchman Nee. You remember he, he was one of those people, like he, uh, he was a Chinese Christian, and, and they would, he was in prison, and they would put prison guards in there, and he would convert them. You know, he'd tell them the gospel, they'd get converted, and they'd have to go into prison, and they'd get more, or, and, and it'd just go on and on like that. You think of Richard Wormbrand. How many remember who Richard Wormbrand is? You maybe saw the movie that came out recently. 14 years in Romanian prison. And that was after he'd already been persecuted by the Nazis. But that guy just kept going and going and preaching the gospel, and people kept getting converted. The gospel is not bound. So the next time you're in prison, remember this. And you're like, ha, I'm scot-free. I am not going to go to prison. This will not pertain to me. Have you ever been to the DMV? Have you ever... Have you, ever, have you ever sat there thinking, I'm never getting out of here. I am stuck. I can't go anywhere. Or maybe it's a doctor's office or maybe it's an airport or wherever it might be. And you just have that feeling that you don't have liberty at that moment. Like, oh, why am I here? Why am I stuck? Why, why can't I do what I want to do? You know, remember this at that point. Because though your liberty at that moment is curtailed, the gospel's not limited. And maybe, you, you know, you think, oh, I'm stuck here next to this this 300-pound person, and it's, well, I don't have any elbow room, and you're thinking, in the midst of that, that 300-pound person is stuck next to you, and the gospel is not bound, and you can, you can share, and, and that's the beauty of it. That is our job, job number one, so don't think of, of imprisonment or a loss of liberty as somehow just curtailing what you can do as a Christian. Thirdly, the gospel is simple but demanding. The gospel is simple but demanding. It's not one of the times that Luke gives us almost a full record of what was preached. And even in those accounts where he gives like an entire sermon, even that's compressed. But here, this is, this is bullet point stuff here. Look at, look at how he describes what Paul said. 
And he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus and as he reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment. Well, it's obvious that this talk went on quite a bit longer than what it took me to read that verse. There, there were many words shared. But Luke tells us that on the one hand, the core message of what Paul was preaching was faith in Christ Jesus. You can't reduce the gospel into any simpler terms than that, can you? That is, that is the, at its very root core, the gospel is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. We saw that in the book of Acts at Philippi where the, you know, the Philippian jailer comes running in and falls on his knees and says, what, what shall I do to be saved? And, and Paul says, well, this is going to take some time. Um, actually, he says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Faith in Christ is, on the one hand, the, the simplest way of reducing the gospel at the same time there is in one sense what we could say we could almost say there's something more there's nothing more but you have to define what saving faith actually looks like saving faith is not a legal technical maneuver where you sign the back of a bible and you go okay god now you got to honor that and then you go do how you know you live however you want to live in sin that would not be true saving faith Genuine saving faith always contains within it the the idea of repentance. It is a repentant faith. And so when Paul encapsulates the gospel in Acts chapter 20, if you look there with me, you'll remember that, but uh, he says there, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel is very simple in that sense. We turn from going our own way way think of it that way you're we're going headlong into our own sin right we're just living our lives apart from God without God without hope in the world we're going one direction we're like sheep we're just straying we're doing whatever seems right whatever comes to our mind we don't care we're just doing what we think is right and then we hear the gospel and we turn toward Jesus Christ, we look upon him, we see him with the eyes of faith that he is the, the, the son of God, the redeemer, and we put our trust in him at that point. We're going one way, we turn, we trust Christ. That's, that's salvation. On the one hand, it's extraordinarily simple. We're hell-bound sinners. We deserve hell. Felix and Drusilla deserved hell they were not the model citizens that they undoubtedly thought of themselves as being i mean go back to this again what i was saying about drusilla um yeah uh she's kind of like the woman at the well you remember the woman at the well yeah jesus going through uh, the, the region of the Samarians and, and Samaritans and he, and he stops at the well and, and the woman comes and it's an odd time of the day because she's in shame she's had five husbands and the person she's currently with is not her husband so she's living in sin and and she tries to go toe-to-toe debating things you know religiously with Jesus and 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 he just puts his finger very gently on that sin and and it just opens her up Paul is kind of doing the same thing here isn't he as as he speaks to 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 Felix and 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 Drusilla about their sin I mean she she literally divorced her husband so she could marry Felix Felix is on his third marriage by this point he's already left two women in order to to enter into this relationship so yeah they could justify their decisions all day long but they were far from righteousness and so Paul discourses in the course of giving them the gospel 
he talks about righteousness, self-control, and judgment. We need to tell people the gospel. That is our job. It is our job to make it known. We make it overly complicated. We think it's too difficult. We think it's too hard. We don't know how to get into it. But at the, at the bottom line, it is that men are sinners. Men and women are sinners. We're lost. We're without hope. We're without God in the world. And we are not righteous in ourselves. We don't have the righteousness that they need, that, that we need. Felix and Drusilla could not get there on their own. And so Paul's telling them that they lack righteousness. They lack self-control. Oh boy, do they lack self-control. You know, and, and you could go, there's other things we know about Felix that suggest there was a complete lack of control. The gospel is like, okay, this is where you're at. You need a righteousness that is foreign to you or you will face judgment and that judgment will, yeah, you'll lose. You won't, you won't prevail. That's, that's the gospel, that Christ died for sinners. He was buried. He rose the third day in order that we might be saved through faith in him. That's the gospel. It's simple, but its demands are total, aren't they? It's simple. It's free, and yet Jesus, in speaking about that gospel, says a man will go for the treasure of the gospel. He will go and sell all he has in order to take hold of the gospel. So it's free, costs you everything. When we tell people, we need to tell it like that. We need to share that it is a free gift, but you need to be honest that, it, that there's the question of righteousness and self-control and judgment. Faith in Christ is an ongoing, repentant faith that trusts in him and holds to him. Yeah, tracking? I think this is for <laughs> the gospel may be met with mixed motives wouldn't it be wonderful if history had recorded the fact that uh that felix and drusilla became wonderful christians and on fire and passionate about christ wouldn't that be a great story to tell not exactly didn't quite work out that way at least not to our knowledge things could have happened that didn't get recorded obviously in history books but you know felix strikes us a little bit more like herod antipas like Herod Antipas. You remember him and how he kept listening to John the Baptist. He had him there in prison. Just had a, you know, anytime he was just a little bored, he could bring John the Baptist in or he could go to John the Baptist down in the dungeon and talk to him. And, and then, you know, there was that whole pesky thing with the girl asking for his head and what was he going to do? He'd already promised, so he off with his head. That's kind of Felix, isn't it? Felix is very much like that. Though Felix seems open, it's clear that he's not really super serious about this. And when he gets the gospel, it scares him. He doesn't draw near to it. He pushes back and pulls away from it. Look what it says. Felix was alarmed and said, go away for the present. When I get an opportunity, I will summon you. At the same time, he hoped that he would be given... uh, that money would be given him by Paul, so he sent for him often and conversed with him. Isn't that a mixed bag of, re- look, at the, look at the reaction there. Felix no doubt found those conversations with Paul to be intellectually stimulating as far as they went, as long as he could keep Paul kind of steering clear of the whole judgment thing. But you know, I mean, he just, he just repeatedly kept bringing Paul in and, and talking to him. What made Felix think, by the way, that he would get a bribe from Paul? Poor Paul. Paul's broke. 
How do I know that? I know that he took a massive offering and left it in Jerusalem. So Paul's basically penniless. But here's the thing. He still has friends. Do you think that's why Felix let the friends keep coming and ministering to him on the off chance that, hey, you know, this guy's broke at the moment, but if they find out that for a certain price, for a certain fee, he could be released, maybe, maybe Paul will bring the, get the money together. Well, I, I, it, I mean, obviously it didn't work, but, uh, but I think that was his hope. When we share the gospel, does it matter whether or not people have mixed motives? On the one hand, we'd have to say the answer to that question is no, because what is our obligation with the gospel? Are we supposed to discriminate where the seed gets thrown? Isn't that the whole point of of the sower went forth to sow seeds? And when we read it, we're like, what's wrong with this guy? He must be ignorant of how seeds grow, because why is he throwing them on just worthless ground and beaten down paths and into the weeds and everything else? The whole point is that's the, that's the nature of the gospel, is that, that that's, our job is not to discriminate between the soils. Our job is just, is just to scatter it, to scatter it wherever we, wherever we go. In church ministry, we often come up against people that are working with mixed motives, I mean, it is not an unusual thing for people to come and ask for help from the church. And, uh, and sometimes I think they think that if they show interest in maybe attending the church or something, that will give them more money. I mean, that, this kind of thing happens. I used to work in uh, uh, a rescue mission when I was very, very young. This is many eons ago, all right? And, uh, and, and that was a thing in rescue mission work. You knew this. You knew it from the people that did the work. You knew it from guys that would come in. There were guys that had been going through every rescue mission known to man, and, and they'd been doing it for decades, and they could tell you this, this, this was a tool in their arsenal. They could manipulate, or at least they would try to manipulate by appearing to have a conversion just so that they would get more certain help. Yeah. If you're a young Christian and uh, you're, you're out there in the dating scene and all of a sudden there's somebody who um, has a sudden interest in the gospel. Like they've, you know from talking to them, they've never darkened the door of the church. They've shown no interest up till now, but they, they meet you and all of a sudden they're like, oh, I'd like to know more about this Christianity thing. Yeah, I really would. And you're like, wow, I wonder if they're sincere. No, no, they're not. <laughs> not at that point, they're not. No, could they become sincere? Could it work out in the long run? It's happened. I'm not gonna say it doesn't happen, but missionary dating, it's a thing, but it's not a thing. Right? It's not, it's not a thing, and, 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 and yeah. Does that mean we should live in this sort of jaded mindset? No. Should we be gullible on the other hand? No. There's, there, are, there are mixed motives, and we just, that's, we live with that. We keep making the gospel known regardless. Yeah? When two years elapsed, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus. And desiring to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul in prison. Thanks a lot, Felix. It would seem that uh, Paul failed if he ever sought to raise those funds for the bribe. Um, he did not uh, manage to pull that off. Um, Two years went by, he just kept bringing Paul in when he was bored, but at the end of the day, he's willing to just leave Paul to rot when Festus arrives. Here's, the, here's the, my last idea. The gospel is a limited time offer. 
The gospel is a limited time offer. Felix had two years in which he could hope for a bribe, have stimulating you know, conversation, hear the gospel probably again and again and again, and yet consistently ignore it. What happened with Felix? What happened in the long run? Well, we know very little. We know he was brought back to Rome, that he, that he lost his job there as the governor of Judea because he didn't handle some stuff. There were some uprisings in Caesarea with Greek against Jew and Jew against Greek, and he kind of was very forceful in putting it down mostly against the Jews. So they, they haul him back. He stands before Nero. Somebody came to his defense, somebody that had some, you know, some interconnections, and they were able to get him off. And that's pretty much what we know from history. Well, we do know one other thing, which is you know, neither here nor there. We know that his, uh, his son died at Pompeii. So when Vesuvius erupted, um, his son was killed. That's, that's all we know. What we, what we specifically don't know um, and would seem to be indicated is that he never came to Christ. He never came to Christ. Sadly, Antonius Felix had two years of constant contact with the most amazing like the most amazing intellectual of his day an apostle an evangelist one of the most persuasive people for the gospel that has ever lived you and I will never be Paul will never I I, I don't think there's anyone here who's going to rise to that level of fruitfulness of ministry and, and, and and intelligence and everything else he was just an amazing person I mean next to Judas Felix has to rank right up there of squandered opportunities for the gospel Judas had three years with Jesus Felix had two years with the apostle Paul and what happens nothing nothing no one has a limitless amount of time to respond to the gospel. And as believers, we need to know that. I'm not saying that we should live in, in a kind of anxiety about that, but just understand there are people that you witness to, un- unbelieving friends, family members, whatever the case may be, and you share the gospel. That may be the first and last time they ever hear the gospel. They may never hear it again. You may never have another opportunity to share it again. That's just the facts. If you're not a believer, I'd like to put this in the gentlest and yet firmest way that I know how. Look, you're human. You don't need to be a philosophy major to look at your life and realize that days pass rather quickly. And then weeks and years and another birthday comes and another birthday and you're not getting any younger. In other words, what the Bible has said from the beginning is like all flesh is grass. It's here today. It's gone tomorrow. You're aware of this. You know this about yourselves. Years ago, I remember running into an old youth group friend of mine. Uh, we'd been in the same Methodist youth group, and, um, and I'd lost track of him. And then, toward the end of my college time at Ball State University, I bumped into old Mike. And I, I saw Mike, and I'm like, hey, Mike, how you doing, buddy? And, oh, it's great. I'm partying. And I'm doing, and I'm like, okay, I don't know why you think this would impress me, but um, what about your faith? What happened to that? I thought you were a Christian. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, you know, I mean, part of me still believes, but I tell you what, Jay, here's how it is. I, uh, I'm just having fun, and I want to have fun. And frankly, I know that, that, that following Christ would mean not doing the things I want to do. So here's my idea. I'm thinking he's not going to come back for probably another 10 years at least. Yeah. 1989 looked a long way off back then. But anyway, uh, <laughs> it's like, you know, 
so I'm just gonna live how I wanna live and, and, and then I'll, I'll come back to this later. I'll make a decision later on. I don't know if he had, I, I rarely talked to somebody that honest. But that was his calculation. He was making that calculation that I can live the way I wanna live and there'll be enough days in, t- in order for me to still find repentance. The gospel is a limited time offer. We do not know our number of years. I, I personally have witnessed to people and they've died within, and not, not, I'm not talking about terminally ill people because obviously that's happened. But I mean, I, I remember a young guy I was witnessing to and trying to help him get a leg up and get started uh, back into, because he was, yeah, he was just messed up. And, uh, and then he went missing and a few days later we found out he had died. And I remember sharing with a guy at the rescue mission and, uh, and, and talking to him about the Lord and then he got drunk so he got kicked out. A few weeks later he'd been knifed, knifed in a bar fight. And, you, and, and those are sober moments. You realize that I was probably the last person that, that told that person the gospel. They had, they had the opportunity but they shut the door. And if you're not a believer, maybe you're thinking, well, yeah, but maybe, maybe one, even if I did die, or when I die, maybe God will give me a second chance. Maybe there'll be a little sort of waiting room between death and the finality of whatever happens, and, and I can then make up for lost time. The Bible doesn't give you that hope. The Bible says, and just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes Judgment. The very same thing that Felix feared, that, 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 that final note where, where Felix is like, yep, don't want to talk about this anymore. I'm done. Go away. I'll call for you later if I'm feeling better about this. Judgment. There is a judgment that is coming. There is no second chance. And you don't know how long you have to respond to the gospel. And this may feel like manipulation. And I could see how it, it could be taken that way. But it's just being it's just being as honest as I know how to be. There's, there's nothing I could say that would be more truthful that, that I know, which is that none of us know how long we live, none of us give, are given infinite opportunities, and if today, the Bible says, if you, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Listen to the gospel. If your name is Felix, maybe you think, I got the world by the tail. You know, my friend Mike, he thought he had the world by the tail. Felix had the world by the tail at this point. Do you realize that? I mean, he'd been a slave. He was freed. He was elevated up higher and higher. He becomes, you know, a a governor over a whole province within the Roman Empire of Judea. He's married to, I'm telling you what, Drusilla? She was a knockout. Like, how do you know that, Pastor Jay? History tells us that. They actually bothered to tell us this in the, in the history books, that she was absolutely ravishing. That's why he got her to leave her first husband. So he thinks he's got the world by the tail. He just thinks he's got it all figured out. And then here comes this guy, this Paul guy with all of his, you know, and, and he's preaching at him about righteousness and self-control and a judgment, and it, and it scares him to death. Maybe he was thinking about a nice retirement back in Rome little villa or you know not an orchard a vineyard you know that he could care for I could I could picture him having dreams maybe close to you know Pompeii or somewhere like that could be nice could be nice what could possibly go wrong (laughs) history does not record that Felix died so he could still be alive (laughs) but I'm gonna say no 
I'm going to say, I bet, despite the lack of information, that he's been dead for the better part of 2,000 years. And, he's, and he will face judgment on that day when God raises all, all flesh. And um, yeah, where are you at today? Where are you at? Here's the gospel we want to make it known to you today, and that is that Christ Jesus, God's son, came into the world and died for sinners He was betrayed by his own people, handed over to the Romans. They crucified him. They buried him. And on the third day, he rose from the grave. And if you believe this, and if you repent and put your faith in Jesus Christ, you will be saved. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus today. Maybe this is the first time you've ever heard the gospel. I don't know. Maybe it's the nine millionth time, but maybe nine million is the only number of times you're gonna hear it. Today is the day. Make a decision. Do not delay. If you wanna talk to someone, if you're not fully convinced, if there's questions that you have, I'll be here after, after the uh, service ends. All our elders will be here. Frankly, just about any Christian here in this, uh, in this room could explain it to you, but, but please deal with it. Think about it. And if you're a believer today, just hear that again. It is our job to make the gospel known. Make it known. Make it known. Even, even here, where people have a rather accurate knowledge. Make it known. Let's pray. Lord, lay that upon our heart. The great joy and 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 the great opportunity and responsibility to make the gospel known. And we want to, Lord, we are slow to, to do it. We are, um, we're set about with many fears, Lord, but not nearly as, as fearful as the coming judgment. So I pray that we would have that, that heart for the lost and that we would share, you would open our, our mouths to speak where we have opportunity, Lord. And uh, if there's somebody here that, that is hearing this today and, and they've put you off, Lord, be, maybe, maybe they feel like they've really got the world by the tail, but I, I, I pray, Lord, that today you would show them and just convince them in their heart of their great need that today they would reach out and put their trust in Christ. Lord, we ask it in his name. Amen.